0: That's me. No, there we go. Good evening. Good to see you all. Thank you for braving the weather and... this area is always weird to me, man. A couple snowflakes start falling. The phones are lighting. We haven't served. So we're having it tonight. Thank you for coming. I hope the roasts are safe for you to go home. As a reminder, Josh already told you, uh, no nine o'clock service tomorrow. I know you're like, why are you telling us we're here? But in case you run into anybody, okay, tell them. Uh, we are going to attempt to do an 11 o'clock service assuming everything's okay, and we're going to pack them in. So it's going to be a great service. Thank you for coming. If you have your Bibles, okay, do me a favor and turn with me. We're going to actually look at two passages of scripture tonight. We're going to look at Galatians, chapter 5, verse 13 uh, through 15, and we are going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. So Galatians 5 is all towards the back of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word and read that and adjust your lives towards that. I've been doing a series uh, called Not Just Another, and I've been trying to uh, highlight or bring up the value of God's church. You know, a lot Of times uh, we go out in the community. uh, We talk about church. People have a very negative connotation of the church, and I don't think that's the connotation that God has of His church. He he understand. We understand here coastal that the church is made up of people. It's not an institution. It's not a building. uh, It's not a room we meet in. It's made up of the children of God, people who are followers of Christ, and they're His children. They're His people. And so I've been raising for you the value or your understanding of the church. And so the This this evening, we're going to look at another thing in this series called Not Just Another. Uh, Follow along with me in your notes. I uh, I heard a story um, this week of a young boy who was outside the worship area of his church, and outside in the foyer of this church uh, building was a a picture of a memorial, a beautiful memorial, that reminded us of the men and women uh, who had given their lives in service of this great country. And while this young boy was looking at this beautiful memorial, uh, an elderly man came up and he tapped the young man on the shoulder and he said, Young man, do you, do you know what you're looking at? And the young man said, Well, no, not really. I just thought it was a really beautiful painting. And, and uh, this elderly gentleman, who was a veteran, he said to this young man, He said, Well, you're looking at a memorial that reminds us of the great men and women who have died in the service young boy thought for a minute, and he said to the elderly gentleman, he said, did they die in the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service? You know, a lot of... Somebody still needs to get it. Okay, all right, so yeah, it's the church service. Anyway, so yeah, a lot of us consider, man, I'm dying here, right? I'm dying in service. And, and this evening, I want to remind you, and I want to place a high value, the high value that God has on how we, as the body of Christ, or as the people of Christ, are to serve one another. Each of us in this room has been given something to give back in the service of the church body. And, and, and it's not something that's easy, by the way. Somehow, we have gotten it in our minds that, that serving God and serving one another is something that should come easily to us, It's something that should always fill us with warm fuzzies. I had, had an interesting meeting this week with one of our college students who, who you know, he's given some opportunities to do ministry down on the campus, and he, he asked me, he said, you know, before you preach, do you ever get up and there's weeks that you preach that you maybe don't feel like it? I was like, no, never. That never happens, right? And, you know, and, and it's, hard, it's hard to express. I know a lot of times you look at the preacher like, man, it must be like, being a preacher must be great. It must be like going on some retreat all the time, right? And, and I want to remind you that when you serve the body of Christ, that it's a difficult thing to do. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, it's a letter that Paul has written to a young pastor, and he reminds this young pastor that his life is coming to an end. And he says, this, he says, as for me, he says, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Church, I want to raise the view of your service to the local church that it is an offering ultimately of worship to God. And somehow we've gotten in our minds that that's an easy thing and it should always make us feel good. And there are times that it requires perseverance. There's a great story in 1 Kings, I'm not going to go there, it's one of my favorite, 1 Kings chapter 19, it's the story of the prophet Elijah, and Elijah has this great battle with these, these false prophets in Israel, and some of you know the story in 1 Kings 18 where he uh, Elijah gets all these prophets of Baal, and he, and they set up, they kind of do this contest with two altars. How many of y'all know this story where he says, hey, we're going to pray, and, and you can pray to Baal, and if, he, if fire comes from heaven and consumes that altar, then we know that Baal is the true God, but I'm going to pray to Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, and if fire consumes that altar, then we know he's the real God. And you know the story maybe, but it's a great battle. And at the end of this ministry where Elijah is pouring himself out, the ne- very next chapter we see he's exhausted and he, he runs away and he, he actually says, God, just kill me. I'm just exhausted. Church, if you serve God with any intensity and any purpose and any understanding that hey, this is a big deal, there will be moments in this service to the thing to the to the people of God where you will be exhausted, and we've got to get away from this idea that it's an easy calling because it's not. Our our this calling to serve the church is a high calling and it's an important calling. And in in Galatians chapter five, the Apostle Paul talks to this church. That he has planted, and he reminds them of their purpose in serving one another. And that's why I've called this series not just another, because we've been going through some of the one another phrases in the New Testament. And so in Galatians chapter five verse 13, Paul says, "For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom, what's it say? to what serve who one another right you use your freedom to serve one another in love for the whole law can be summed up in one command love your neighbor. self but if you go on biting and devouring one another he says you better watch out beware of destroying one another paul says church i want you to hear this you're free but what are you free to do what are you free to do? It's not free to do whatever you want. You're free to serve. And Paul says, use your freedom to serve each other. You're free. And by the way, we live in a great country, a country that, that we would all say is encompassed by this word freedom. But we all know that freedom is never free, right? Freedom's never free. It comes at a cost. And whether it's in your country or in your marriage or in your community or in your church, Paul reminds us that our freedom is not a self indulgent freedom. We are free to die to ourselves, and we are free to serve others. In fact, he goes on to say literally that you're servants to each other. In other words, at church, you're here to serve the people next to you. By the way, do me a favor. I want you to do something for me. I want you to just look around at the people around you. Look at. It's not pretty. I see that every week. And, uh, it's, it's not pretty. I know. I want you to look around. Those people that you just looked at are there to serve you. Spiritually speaking, pretty cool, huh? And you're there to serve them, church. We're a body of followers. We talked, we spent some time on the idea of the body of Christ last week, and we touched on that briefly. But you know, the people in this room, God has pulled us together to serve one another. In fact, we hear this all the time in church services, right? Well, I didn't get anything out of it. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Maybe you've said that, I've said that, I didn't get anything out of that. It's not about what you get out of, the church is brought together so that we can serve one another, so that we can give to one another. In fact, we ought to leave here on the weekends or we ought to leave in our ministry throughout the week and we ought to ask ourselves, how much did I give to others this week? Because that's what Paul is saying. He says, you are here as servants and the word servant literally, this may be a little shocking to you, is literally the word slave. You're enslaved to the fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to serve them. You're linked up with them to serve others. And, I, and Paul then goes on to say in verse 15, he says, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, Paul says, he says, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. You see, he gives a very strong, stern warning here. He says, be careful. You need to watch out you need to be careful. Have you, have you ever given a, a stern warning that's been ignored? Right? Ever been, I did that about a year ago. I came home after the weekend services and I looked out in my backyard. We have a trampoline and my two boys were playing extremely rough on this trampoline. And I, I peeked my head out and I gave a really stern warning. I said, you, you two better stop that or somebody's going to get hurt. And I closed the door, and I came in. I was talking to my wife, and within two minutes, my my youngest son was hollering. Comes, he's screaming at the top of the lungs. He he gets into my house, and his right shoulder was about an inch and a half out here. Right, he had thrown his arm out of his socket. You want to know something? You want to know how much sympathy I had for that moment? None, right? And, 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 and it was getting near Little League season. You want to know the first thing that went through my mind? That's your pitching arm. You know, what's going to happen now? I just warned you. and I told you to stop playing. You know, took him to the hospital. I was so mad at them, right? Because I'd just given them a stern warning. And I, and I see this passage, I see the Apostle Paul, and I hear his heartbeat, and he says, listen, church, you know, last week we talked about how we love one another, but in that love, it's 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 born out in serving and looking out for the interest of others, using your gifts to, stir one, to serve each other, and you would think that the opposite of serving each other would be to love or to forgive one another, but I believe Paul's giving a warning here to say, you better be careful, because the opposite of serving one another is that you will bite and devour one another. And he's concerned because he's planted this church, and he's put his heart and soul into this church, and he wants to see the truth of God through the church of God go on from one generation to the next. And he says, be careful that you don't devour one another With, with gossip and undermine and negativity. And I believe he's saying the opposite is, find a way to serve somebody. Figure out a way to give back. The person that's driving you crazy, figure out a way to serve them. And this odd thing will begin to happen if you start serving people instead of cutting them down and gossiping and tearing them in. This odd thing will start to happen. Your heart will begin to go out to them. By the way, some of you, this is great marriage counseling. I just gave it to you free of charge, right? Some of your marriages, you're in here today, and and, and literally you have been devouring one another with your words, and and your marriage is in danger of unraveling. And I want to encourage you, instead of coming home and trying to figure out a way through your words to to get your spouse to do whatever it is you think they should be doing, come home and serve them. Find out something they want to do, something they love, and serve your spouse, and, find, and you'll quickly find that your marriage will be reignited with love for one another. And Paul has this concern that this, this church is going to be consumed with themselves. And I think that part of the reason that the church in America is dying is because we have forgotten that we don't exist in a church body for ourselves. We exist to serve one another. Now, I want you to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4 because Peter unpacks this as well. Another disciple of Christ who who sat at the teaching and the feet of Christ, and he unpacked these ideas for us. And in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, the apostle Peter says this. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. He says, use your gift for heaven's sake, right? Use what God has gifted you to do for heaven's sake. God has given gifts to his church and guess who it is? It's each other. It's one another. Each of us is gifts to the church, Now, I want to put this in context for a minute because the Apostle Peter puts this in context. I want you to look just a couple verses before 1 Peter 4, verse 10, starting in verse 7. Here's what Peter says. You ready? He says, listen up. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love. In fact, we looked at this last week, this verse last week. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of what? Sins, right? Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And then he says, verse 10, and God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. To serve one another. I love this passage because it's Peter. It's not a prediction of when Jesus is going to come exactly, but it's a readjustment in our thinking. It's the idea of zooming out and seeing the big picture of what God is doing. Peter is reminding this church that at any moment Christ can return. At any moment, the life or of a loved one, their soul could be required of them any moment, and they will stand before the living God and they will give an account. He says, We never know when the end of the world is coming. And so there is an acquired sense of urgency for the things of God and for the body of Christ and for the church of God. And Peter lifts up the local church and he, he raises the standard. And he says, listen, if you're not involved in the local church, if you're not praying for your local church, if you're not serving the local church, if you're not uh, have a sense of kindness and opening and sharing your home and a sense of generosity, and if you're not using your gift, you're missing out this opportunity because time is short. My father and my in-laws are in town this weekend and my father was listening to a sermon this morning and the pastor was talking about time and how time flies, right? And he said, the funny thing is, is the older you get, the faster it seems to go, right? Old people in here, right? You know, it goes faster and faster. And it gets shorter and shorter. And Peter says, because of the brevity of time, you use your gift because the church holds the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I love the passage that we read during our singing time this, this evening that the disciples you know, are there, it's really at the peak of Jesus' ministry. And at the peak of his ministry, Jesus begins to teach some hard truths and people start to go away. And he looks at his 12 close followers, and he goes, do you guys want to leave too? And they respond, no, where else are we going to go? Because you alone hold the truths, the keys to life church we have this incredible message that no one no other entity on planet earth holds except the church and that's that salvation and eternity is fixed through none other than the gospel of jesus christ god's one and only son and so peter says with a sense of urgency we must serve the church the body of christ with our gifts because time is very very short and we need to reacquire this sense of urgency. Peter says, use the gifts that you've been given. He says, by the way, God, God has a love for variety. There's a variety of gifts that each of us has. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. <clears throat> I mean, I want you to think about something. Yeah, every single one of you in this room tonight is Unique. Every single one of you in this room tonight is unique. There has never in all the history of the world been anyone like you. And there'll never again be anyone like you. You are are wired up with a unique sense of passions and spiritual gifts and things that spin you up and get you excited and things that drain you. Never has anyone else walked planet Earth like you. And Peter says, every single one of you is wired up with a variety. There's a difference that you've been given, and God has put you here at this time, in this place, in this season, to serve with your spiritual gift. One of the things that we, uh, I teach in my membership class, for those of you who are, we were coastal last week, this will be a repeat, okay, but we teach in or We Are Coastal and Our Membership Class, that we believe that every member of this church is a 10 in something, meaning on a scale of one to 10, every single one of you has a, a, an, a, a ministry that no one else in the church can feel better than you. You're a 10 at something. And I, I told this story many times before, but when we were starting as a church, we, we met in Grafton High School. And some of you all will remember that. Most of Many of you won't, but we started in Grafton High School. And, and for years, we would, we would have to do a setup. We'd do basically one service. Had to sit. We had this big trailer over here, and we had to sit up and tear down. And it just took all the volunteer hours that we could muster just to basically pull off our weekend services. And and, uh, man, and and so we would get there. When the church started, we would unpack this trailer on Friday night and we'd get in Grafton High and we'd unpack and get ready for our Sunday service. And when we started, many times as we were leaving on Sunday afternoon, there was this large canvas sign that we would put out on Route 17. And all it said was Coastal Church with a big arrow pointing down to Grafton High School. Is there anybody in this room remembers that sign? Anybody? A couple of y'all. Cool. So yeah, we had this one sign. And so and so inevitably we'd be leaving after a long weekend of service, you know, all that stuff, and I'd be driving, and there were several times where there was this large canvas sign. No one picked it up, right? And so Pastor Sean would be there, and I'd pull over in my car with a terrible attitude, right? I'd be like, I can't believe no one got the canvas sign. If we didn't pick it up, the county would take it for us, okay? And then we'd have to buy another one. And so, uh, you know, I so said, get it. At the time, I had this little white Honda Civic, and this happened on several occasions where I'm, I'm pulling this sign out of the ground, I'm wrapping it up, and it doesn't even fit in my car, it's so big, and I'm shoving it in, and it's sticking out the window, and I'm saying things over the sign that a pastor shouldn't say, and and uh, and so I'm saying all these things. And one day, as I'm doing this with this awful attitude, this uh, church member drives by. He's like, Pastor John, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm putting the sign away for the glory of God, something like that. <laughs> and um, and so. He said, well, listen, it looks like it doesn't really fit in your car. And I said, no, for the glory of God, it doesn't. And so, you know, things like that. And so he said, well, listen, now I'm going to make this my ministry. because I live right around the corner. I have a pick. I'm going to make it my ministry. That's what he said. I'm going to take this sign. So he took that sign, and for the rest of the time while he lived here, that was his ministry. And then I would do membership classes. And at the time, we were a smaller church. I always said to people, hey, how did you find Coastal Community Church? I would always ask, how did you find Coastal Community Church? And without fail... People would say, I found the church from that sign on 17. And so I went back to this person. His name was Brad. I said, Brad, you're not going to believe this. Every time I do membership classes, I go to ask people how they found the church. And almost every time I do the classes, people say, I found the sign from from the sign on 17. And he said, Man, he goes, that is so cool. Because he said, You want to know something? Every time I put that sign out, I pray over it and ask that God would use it for someone to find this church and ultimately find a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what I said? That's a far cry from what I was doing over it. I can tell you that right now, far cry. I was this ministry. He said, I'm a 10 at this. I, I have this, you know, I can just make it happen. And Peter says there's a variety of gifts, and every single one of you, you have this passion that's coupled with a gifting. And by the way, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't I don't know how all that links up inside of me. I know there's things I'm passionate about. I got really good news for you. We offer once a quarter a serve class, and it is an incredible opportunity. And Bethany Lay teaches that. We're going to be teaching that March 17th. And as I'm talking about this stuff, if you're interested, let us know in that tariff. We'll get you plugged into that class. But it's a great opportunity to say, how do my gifts, how do my passions, how does my past, how does all this that God's made me to be wired up so I can serve him better in ministry and be a a, a 10 in the area that I'm passionate about. And God's knitted me up, right? I always love this time of year, American Idol. Any American Idol fans? And this is the best time, at the very beginning of the show, because you get the people that can't sing, and the judges are like, "What do you? How would you get here?" And they're like, "Well, my mom told me I could sing, you know, like your mom's been lying to you, so you know, type thing." And but I love that. And my point is that some of you in this room, you're passionate about something, but maybe you're not quite gifted. You know, maybe you're passionate about music, but you, you know, you come to a Pastor Joey, and he does an audition. He's like, "Yeah, maybe not for you, you know, type thing." Yeah, but there, that doesn't mean music's not a passion. There's still a place that maybe you can fit in a ministry does that make sense hey i'm passionate about kids but but i don't really know you know i want to teach or whatever we can find how those fit together and figure out man you're a 10 Why? because there's a great variety of gifts no one's ever been knitted up like you the third thing that peter reminds here in first peter 4 10 is to steward the gift that you've been given steward the gift that you've been given <clears throat> He says, Peter says, you know, you take your, get, use your gifts well. Use them well. The idea there is to steward that. It's your, you've been entrusted with something, and it's important that you use what you've been trusted with well. In Matthew chapter 25, it's towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He, he's, it's the, actually the last week of his ministry before he's crucified, and he's doing some teaching on what the kingdom of God is like in Matthew 25. And one of the stories he tells is, five, is three guys that he calls stewards, and one guy gets five bags or five talents of silver, and another one gets two talents of silver, and another one gets one talent of silver, and it, it says the master entrusts these servants with these talents or with these bags of silver. And he goes away for a period of time. We don't know how long that period of time is. And, and the first guy takes the five bags. And if you know the story, he invests it. And he does different things with those, those bags of silver. And he doubles it. So when the master returns, he said, you gave me five. Here's 10 talents or 10 bags of silver in return. And remember what the master says to that, that servant? Remember what he says? Well done. Man, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the next guy with two talents. You know, he doesn't have quite as much as the other guy, but he was faithful with what he was given. And he takes that two and he doubles it. And he comes back and and the master returns. He says, you gave me two. Here's four bags in return, right? What's the master say? Well done. Man, you did good with what I gave you. And then the the third steward, he took his one bag of silver. You know what he did with it? He buried it. He wasted it. He, he did nothing with it. And when the master returns, he has this very interesting exchange with the master, actually. He says, I knew you were a harsh and exacting man. Now, I don't know where he get, got that from, but that was his thinking about the master. And I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 25, verse, tw- verse 26, in this parable Jesus told. He says, but the master replied to the servant, you wicked And lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Verse 28. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth these are some of the harshest words in the new testament let me ask you something from this passage do you think god is concerned about how serious we take the use of our resources think god's serious about that From this passage, do you you think that God is concerned about how serious and how dedicated we are to using our gifts and talents? Think God's serious about that? Let me ask you a question. Do you think, and I'm letting you be the exegete, okay? I'm letting you be the theologian. I'm going to put it on you for a minute, all right? So you're going to say, well, he's misinterpreting that. I read that passage to you. Do you think that God might call it a sin, if we do little or nothing with the stuff we've been given—our time, talent, and money—think God would say that's a sin. When I read that, I'm like, "Wow! He, he, you know, here Jesus is at the end of his ministry. He knows he's about to die. He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend into heaven, and he's about to—he's about to give his ministry to these twelve disciples." who are then going to plant churches that are entrusted with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be passed on from one generation to the next. This is what he's teaching these guys. And he tells this parable. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Do you think he's serious about how we use our time, how we use our talent, how we use our gifts, how we use our money? you think he's serious about that? I would say a definitive, yes, he's serious about the use of our talent. And Peter says who was there, by the way, when Jesus taught this story. He says, use your gift well. Steward it. The implication is each of us uh, has been given a gift. The expectation is your gift, your talent, your time, your money, your resources has been given to serve each other, the church of Jesus Christ. And he makes it clear. He says, your gift is not about you. It is given for others. Your gift is given for others. Your gift of service is not about you. It's about the person sitting next to you. It's about the person three rows back. It's about the person who walked in the door for the first time this evening. It's about the person who hadn't attended a church service in five years. It's church in pers- about the person who's investigating the claims of Christ for the first time. And and I've been trying to lift in your mind's eyes the view of the church. Like the church is not just another thing that we do. It is what God is doing. God doesn't have another plan to bring to the world the name and fame of Jesus Christ. It is his church. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and find it written in the sky, Jesus saves. That's not how it works. It works through people. It works through people. You're the church. We hold the truths of Christ, and we pass on the gospel from one generation to the next. And Peter reminds us that Jesus Christ has blessed his church with a variety of gifts that are to be used to serve one another. And you want to know what those gifts are? You're it. You're it. You're a gift to this church body. And that's how God works. And Peter finishes this teaching, this passage, in verse 11 when he says this, ready? Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies You're a gift to his church, and your gift is to be used with the strength that God gives for the glory of God and for the fame of Christ. I read a story this week, and then we're going to close with prayer. I read a story this week about a couple church members who uh, their gift and their passion was was helping the underprivileged, and so uh, they had gotten some just some bread, and they went to a low-income neighborhood and they were knocking on doors and they were just handing this bread to people, just feeding their, meeting a physical need in the name of Christ. They got to one door and they could hear an argument going on inside this apartment, hear a kind of husband and wife fighting and they weren't sure if they should knock on the door and they weren't sure what they were going to step into, but they finally decided to knock on the door and as they opened the door... A man opened, and he was pretty upset and pretty direct, and he said, what do you all want? This couple said, well, we don't want anything. We, we were just wondering if anyone in here could use a couple of loaves of bread. And then the man asked a really strange question. He said, why are you doing that? And this couple said, well, we, we just want to let people know that God loves them. And this man's eyes began to well up with tears. He said, what would you just say? He said, well, we're handing out loaves of bread to people, but we really wanted them to know that God loves them. And this man stared at this couple. He said, I can't, I can't believe this. He said, this past week we just buried our three-week-old son, and my wife and I were arguing about whether God still cares about us. And these couple visitors said, how about, how about if we come in and pray with you? And they came in and they prayed, and as they left that apartment, the husband looked at his wife, and he said, see, honey, I told you God still cares. We thought he wasn't paying any attention to us, but he sent those people here to make sure that we knew he still cares. They were a gift to that couple that was suffering. When we serve others, we send the message that God cares, we distribute God's grace, we distribute God's mercy, and we distribute God's truth that He loves and He cares for people. Use your gift well from the variety of spiritual gifts that He has given His church. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You. As I look out in this room, I... I'm awed, God, different passions, different talents, different upbringings. The gifts, God, that you have given your church. And God, you've you've given us each a gift, a time, a talent, a money, God, a resource to use for the glory of Christ so that the world will know that you genuinely care. And so, God, I pray that we would be remembered that this service to your church is not intended to be easy, but we can do it with the strength that you supply for the glory of Christ. God, I want to lift up the one in this room that has been serving you and serving you and serving you, and if they were honest Tonight, they would say, I walked in here, and, and quite honestly, Pastor Sean, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm weary from serving. And, and God, just like you in, in 1 Kings 19, you refreshed Elisha. God, I pray that you would refresh their heart, you would refresh their soul, that God, you would supply the strength for them to serve you and serve others well. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, this is our offering time a couple things. Number one, if you're a guest with us tonight, we, I want you to know we are not after your money. Uh, we don't want you to feel any obligation to give. It's just one of the ways we uh, worship the Lord at Coastal Community Church. I'd love to have one thing from you as a guest. If you'd use that Connect card on the side of your bulletin, you fill that out with your mailing information. I just want to send you a thank you card for coming. Mm-hmm. Number two, if as I was talking about gifts and passions and serving the Lord, and you're sitting here and you're like, I have no idea how God's wired me up. Man, we have a great class, our serve class coming up in March, uh, third week of March, March 17th. Man, let us know you're interested uh, we will contact you and make sure you're there. It's a great opportunity to figure out, man, how can I serve the way God has wired me up? Joey.
1: the